This morning as we come to handle the next petition within the Lord's Prayer, that is in verse 10 of Matthew 6, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we consider this alongside of the previous petition, your kingdom come, there is alongside of that much that can be discussed regarding your will be done. As uh, Pastor Dan just uh, kind of engaged everyone here in the church family with a show of hands, a bit of the consideration of the Lord's will being done. How many of us feel like there are too many parts, too many moving pieces to be able to put it all together. It oftentimes for Christians in these moments remains more perplexing than it is clear on what we often say, I want the Lord's will to be done. Or I'm trying to discern what God's will is for me, or my family, or our church, or this situation that is in front of me. Oftentimes, that kind of language, speaking of, I want God's will to be done, is often really shrouded in mystery. We are confused. We stand kind of dumbfounded, a little bit lost. And what does that concretely mean, God's will being done for our family, for my job, for my next six months, for my day, for my situation, for this relationship? How do I make clarity, in other words, of such broad sweeping concerns as a petition of, may your will be done in any given situation? How do I understand that? meaningfully, than kind of just a broad catch-all phrase that we just kind of default, hopefully, is achieved. Well, as I said, I could go on and on and on, even in my own life, in my own context, in my own situation, to mine out what that actually means. God's will for this instance, this instance. You have your instances and situations in life context. So if I could, instead of narrowly transferring to you my particulars, since I don't truly know all of your particulars, but we both agree on the broad and in the general, and that is that we do indeed desire, I trust, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Each one of us, broadly and more particularly in each of our life's contexts. How can I help each of us with both of them, the broad and the narrow? If I could, I would begin with the broad, in which I will. If I could focus, broadly speaking, on what it means for the Lord's will to be done, I would suggest it is this. This is the broad scope of the Lord's will being done, and then we'll move from the broad to the more narrow. And in the broadest terms, I would suggest it is this, and I hope to prove it in the next few moments. That God's will being done is focused, most broadly, upon the fulfillment of God's redemptive and universal plan. Most broadly speaking, God's will being done is a will that is focused and worked upon the fulfillment of God's redemptive universal plan. That is, again, most broadly speaking. But if we move through the text and we consider it broadly, I just gave you redemption as a large category. 
and redemption as it corresponds to the universe. Very broad. So broadly considering it in those terms, it is easy to point out in the text that the petition, your will be done, is a kind of logical conclusion to the previous petition regarding the coming of the kingdom. In other words, these aren't broken up necessarily in isolation. They're working in many ways simultaneously. And they're working together. I would say it like this. If we were to concern our minds with what does it mean your kingdom come, then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How are these things working? I would suggest to you it is this. The result of the coming of the kingdom of God will be at the will of God is being done. Clearly, we have to recognize as we pray, perhaps it is a bit perplexing to us as we do pray, as we do read these petitions, that they seem organically linked. Right? Surely His kingdom coming, as I would pray, Your kingdom come. I'm not asking for something other than Your will to be done. So we recognize, maybe not awkwardness, but we recognize overlap. So then we might be confused. What am I exactly asking? If I've already asked that the kingdom come, what exactly am I petitioning and asking your will to be done? Surely your kingdom coming is your will being done. But we pause to recognize if we just move forward and say, well, they're so organically linked. They're clearly working together. In many instances, they're simultaneously occurring. Therefore, what if we in our own wisdom decide we'll just make them one large petition? Your kingdom come will, or your will kingdom, or your who knows what. And we simply make it one petition. Or in our minds, we don't see the force of each one, so we simply read it in a confused manner, and we pray awkwardly. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're not sure exactly what is being stated there, but, you know, if your kingdom comes, I'm sure your will is being done. So, what is before us then this morning in considering how it is that your kingdom come and your will being done are, yes, organically linked, but they are separate petitions. What should we do this morning? Well, I think that's my daughter. I've heard those complaints at home. I think I'm familiar. So, what is our pursuit this morning then? It is to discern the specific concern and application of the petition, your will be done in order that, upon discerning its specific concern and application, we might by faith pursue it through prayer. That is our task. To discern how it is a specific aspect and application for our lives before the Lord by faith that His will would be done. 
I would like to do this by charting our course this way. First, I would like us together to consider what it means or what we do know of God's will being done in heaven. We'll start there in the text. Because as you see, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how can we grasp this concern rightly and apply it by faith truly in our prayer life? Your will being done. How will we do so? We will do so first by considering what we know of God's will being done in heaven. By what we know it is. Secondly, after that, as we establish what it is that God's will is being done in heaven. Secondly, we will address God's will being done in the earth. I think as we draw out God's will being performed in heaven, and then as we consider God's will being done on earth, there will arise a very large discrepancy between the two. Therein stands the believer praying, Let it not be so separate. But what is in heaven? May it truly be so in the earth. Because as we look at both, there's a radical difference. So the Lord petitions us, pray like this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, if I could establish with you point one, God's will as it is in heaven. Again, here our point of attention is upon the fact that God's will is done in heaven. Is that an assurance to you? I mean, even just pausing, just already to consider that God's will is perfectly and beautifully achieved, performed, adhered to and manifest in heaven. We think of those who have died and gone on to glory, gone on to the presence, and the rich experience they're presently having, that God's will is done in heaven. I want to mine out how so. What does Scripture reveal to us about what it means that God's will is done? Is, not... It might be, I wonder to what degree, I wonder how so, is it truly, it is done in heaven. How so? What access do we have in Scripture to concern our minds with God's will being achieved in heaven? What does it look like? And I want to do it in two ways. First, state the general. Generally speaking, how is it being done? And then kind of in our spiral, narrow down to more specifically... How is God's will being currently done in heaven? If I was to share with you this idea of the general sense in which God's will is being done in heaven, what does this mean for our minds right now to consider? What do we think of right away when we think God's will is being done in heaven? We think of this. If I could give you two words that I jotted down in a summary form, and then I'll just give you each piece, but in a summary form, generally speaking, God's will is done in heaven. Two words, full obedience. In general terms, when we are speaking of God's will 
being done in heaven. We are speaking of a place where God's perceptive will is actively pursued, fully on display, without any hesitation or resistance from anyone or anything at all. Hopefully you've stopped in your mind and you missed my last sentence because you thought in your mind, what do you mean when we're speaking of heaven that it is a place where God's perceptive will is being actively pursued on full display without hesitation or resistance from anyone or anything at all? What do you mean by perceptive will? Be mean by perceptive will is God's commands to regulate the behavior of his creation. It is perfectly done. Existence. I don't love God and neighbor is not present in heaven. There is no grumbling. There is no complaining. There is no outright resistance. They are not enemies of God's law. His law, his precepts are fully displayed. Heaven is a place where every being's fullest pleasure is to do God's will. I think already we could transition to the concern of on earth because there's a bit of an obvious discrepancy between what I just stated and what we see in the earth. Heaven is a place where every being's fullest pleasure is to do God's will. If I could frame it another way, I would say it's something along the lines of this. Heaven is a place where believers and angels alike experience the reality brought to us in the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I don't know that they're rehearsing the catechism in heaven. They're experiencing its fullness. That question is this. Maybe you've been asked. Maybe you've read. Maybe you've memorized. What is the chief end of man? Not what is a means for man's own glory. But what is the chief end of man? The answer is this, man's chief end, the reason for which he was created, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That was the reason that you were created, to glorify God and not just submit to the inevitable. That, you know, he's going to have his way. Well, is it? And believers are like a dreary community that obey and gather and seem to, you know, somewhat worship a a tyrant over them. Legalism reigns. The people are oppressed in their own Christian way. And there is no pleasure to be found. That is not the correct response. That is not true of those who have trusted in Christ. And those who have believed upon him truly grasp by the grace of the Spirit that their end in life is to glorify God 
and to enjoy Him forever. In sum, heaven is a place of pleasure-filled obedience, a place right now as Jesus instructs us to pray, as it is in heaven, so pray. What is is a place where God and neighbor are fully loved. If we were to move from the general sense of two words, considering it full obedience without the precepts of God, more specifically, we're moving in our scenario of, so, so consider with me in this spiral approach. So it's not that I'm adding a new piece to what heaven is. Rather, this way to even more specific concern and thought regarding what is God that we then are praying, may it come to the earth, obedience to all that God commands. And more specifically, we are asking, is at the center. Without resistance, your law to bring harmony and fullness and meaning in that experience of your fullness, may it so be as it is in heaven. Let me show you two texts where I can, I hope, where Christ is at the center. Turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, is dead center in the will of God that currently into the earth. Ephesians chapter 1, if you're there, uh, I'll jump right down to verse 7. I could read the whole text, but for time I won't. I'll jump in verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. In Him, verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. And all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. So, so now you're, you're, you're sharing a vision here from the text. From your will is in heaven, and we want that expressed will to be here upon the earth. And here Paul is wrestling with this gigantic quest for the will of God to be made known. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. Now you see the will of God finding its center in Christ. He set this purpose of His, this redemptive, universal purpose and plan in Christ. He set forth, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. And what is it that God's will is, that is in heaven? And we pray, come to earth, verse 10, as a plan for fullness of time, to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. That is, all things to be united into Christ. Where Christ is the center and the fullness of all things. Things both in heaven and things on earth. One more text where I can give you a preview of this experience as John has provided it 
in the book of Revelation. Move over one more, just down to the book of Revelation, and jump in with me as we look at chapter 4 and chapter 5 quickly. We are moving from the broad sense where God's law is actively pursued and on full display without any hesitation from anyone or anything. There is pleasure-filled obedience to every command that God has set forth. And more specifically, with Christ as its center or focal point in heaven. Revelation 4 and 5. As you consider Revelation 4, and again, I have to kind of jump through it here, obviously time permitting, but chapter 4 is this throne room appearance. So you have God, creator, here in chapter 4, receiving honor and glory and power unto his name. That is, the creatures and servants, beings of heaven, are worshiping at his throne. In fact, jump with me in verse 8 of chapter 4 just to see the progression of, again, God's will being done in heaven. And how that will being done in heaven in its broadest sense narrows at its focal point upon Christ. How so? Watch the progression right here in chapter 4 and chapter 5, verse 8 of chapter 4. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. Don't get thrown there. Let's just keep moving. It's on the internet somewhere. We dealt with that a couple of years ago by now. And notice here God's will being done. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because he was, is, and is to come, they just give him thanks. In verse 9, they're, they're, they're simply thanking him for being there. And thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24, ever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are for you created everything, and by your will, therefore, opens in from this broader sense of the worship of the creator God. Day and difficult scenario or a crisis moment in the text of chapter 5. And this is transition. Verse 1. I'll just quickly jump through this text with me, please. Verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of seals, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll. And I began to weep. I began to weep loudly because, and because he has conquered, he can open the scroll. And it's seven seals. Four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though who was seated on the throne. This is God's will being done. And heaven sang a new song to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Verse 11, then I looked and I heard around the throne and living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb 
be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Heaven is most specifically a place of pleasure-filled obedience unto God in the face of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what God's will is. And it is without any resistance being done now. Heaven is a place of constant adoration, praise, and exaltation of the Lamb who was slain, did rise, and now reigns forever. With that in mind, from the general of full obedience unto the particular or more specific with Christ as the object of all worship and obedience. With that in mind. Do you wonder. Why it is that we must pray. Your will. That is being done. We pray. Come to the earth. Do you wonder why we must pray that? Isn't the discrepancy between the two. Quite obvious. That of which we read of God's heavenly will being done is not currently being done, in other words, in the earth. Consider with me then the second point is that God's will on the earth. So from the first consideration of God's will in heaven, now considering it God's will on earth and the function or role of the believer in praying that those two realms of experience merge Here again, I do want to note before I consider and start saying that God's will is not being done in the earth, of which I'm about to say, I do want to be careful to draw your attention again to what we are discussing here regarding God's will. What we are discussing here is God's perceptive will. That which he commands in simplest terms is law. It is being fully discredited disregarded it is not being obeyed adhered to or pursued this will is being rejected more clearly if i could say the distinction of our other act to be sure in the earth and in heaven in all of the places of the universe let me be clear god's decreed will cannot be overturned it cannot be thwarted and it cannot ultimately be rejected. In simplest terms, what God wills to come to pass, comes to pass. But God's perceptive will, that which he has put forward for all his created beings to obey and to pursue, to indeed love, is disregarded, 
and disobeyed. Consider with me just simply as we look upon the earth of how God's perceptive will is disregarded. Consider it most broadly in the global realm, that is, all around the earth. The earth is, most broadly speaking, a place of disobedience and dysfunction. I thought myself of the most graphic examples possible. Yesterday I was uh, listening to a book about, uh, perhaps you've heard of it or maybe you've read it, uh, a book on uh, killing Patton, killing George Patton. I was listening to that while I was running yesterday and I nearly could not keep going because of what I was hearing historically what took place. And again, maybe you've read it at a time in your life or maybe, maybe you've uh, been made aware of it at different points in your life and sometimes it strikes you differently than others and maybe it struck me differently because of my present concern for Sunday morning. But it almost was too much to run past or run through is just hearing of the atrocities of World War II. It was... Uh, so when I come here and I simply say to you, I don't mean to give you a naive account of, by saying that the earth is filled with disobedience and dysfunctionality. I don't mean to be naive and simply put it into simple terms where we think, wow, that's very Christianized or muted to when we think of the great atrocities in the earth, historically and presently. They're almost too graphic for our minds to even conceive outside of experiencing them ourselves. I mean, we see bits and pieces, right, like right now in the news where atrocities are taking place. World reports are coming out of people being pillaged, raped, maimed, mutilated, beaten, burned, beheaded. I mean, sex trafficking where little ones are being sold as young as age six. I mean, there is, I don't mean to mute it. I don't mean to overwhelm with graphic detail. I hope that we perceive, when I say something such as we could agree upon, that disobedience to God's precepts, a rejection of Christ as Lord and His gospel, leads to such destruction and dysfunctionality in the earth that people are being destroyed daily, both domestically and abroad. This is the life we live in in these last days. And it is a call for us to pray. Your will be done. Your Lord and Redeemer be worshipped. On earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. I mean, I, I just simply jotted down because, I, again, trying to think, well, I don't want to be too graphic. Then I don't want to be too simplistic. So I just centered back upon, uh, upon God's precepts and thought they're generally and very specifically applied. But if I could just share with you God's law that gives way to the fruit of such destruction and evil in the earth. Commandment number one, there are multiple gods being worshipped in the earth. It's not small it's heinous. The fruit of which is destruction and dysfunctionality that lead folks to do things ethically that are misguided and destructive and hurting to others. 
idols that provoke God's jealousy are everywhere. Stick with me here simply. I will read them now. There is a vain use of God's name everywhere. God's name is fully discredited, disregarded, of no concern. It is even openly attacked at every pass. There is a disregard for Lord's Day worship. Churches of a bygone era, there is no point. We've discredited every theologian, every church creed, every church council. No one needs it. Lord's Day worship is absolutely of no value or minimally so. There is disobedience toward father and mother everywhere we look. There's one girl suing her parents. I don't know. She's one probably among many. Murder. Adultery. Theft of every kind. Lying and manipulating against neighbor. There's coveting and jealousy everywhere. As I read this simple list as we wind down our time together, and we consider these smaller pieces that give way to global atrocities, maybe I now could narrow it, that it's one thing to hear of the dysfunctionality or the disregard for God's law in all of His precepts, It's one thing to hear it and read it and considering those who unapologetically deny God and deny His law. Man, those are really bad people. That's really doing some real harm. Those people and the church community can assign this burden to those people. But I hope it is even much more disturbing To hear that list read and see it deep within our own hearts every day. As Christ made clear, it isn't simply external. It is even within the heart. What is external is a manifestation of the heart. And we see it every day in me. So to pray, your will be done, isn't something for everybody else. It starts with me. As Christ is the center of glory, might he be the center of me? What do we do? What do we do as we wind down our time? What do we do that we do see it? I know you do. I know you see it in you and you disdain it. I know. I'm with you in Romans 7 somewhere. I'm with you there. And I'm in Romans 6, 7 and 8 with you also. There's tension. There's burden we bear. We know it's there and we know it's in here. What do we do? If I could, we repent. We confess, lest we be found liars. Say we have no sin. I don't break God's law. I wholly love it, as the psalmist does right. We know that's not true. We must repent, confess, and pray continually. Lord, by your grace, let your will that is done in heaven be done on earth 
starting with me. It isn't a prayer for the globe and for everyone else. It is also a part in which I play. It is a prayer for me. I want to end because I just want to. It might not make sense and maybe it's going to be a great moment we'll share together. Either way, it's how I want to end. I know, brothers and sisters, in the charitable judgment, I know you share with me in all of the turmoil, the challenges, the priorities, the simple word, walking by faith. The rival kingdoms we build against the kingdom we do love and want to see come. I know. So, so right now under the weight, as we end our moment together with the filth and dysfunctionality that is present in every heart, I wish to just encourage your focus. That again, the solution to that is not within. The solution to that comes from without. Our gaze isn't upon the navel. It is upon the ascended Lord. So I want to encourage you this word. With the words of this hymn. Join with me in your thoughts as we receive the reality and desire it to deeply change. Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face full arrayed in blood-washed linen. How I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Bring thy promises to pass. For I know thy power will keep me. Until I'm at home. With thee at last. We pray as believers, not from perfection, but from humble pursuit, acknowledging our weakness. We pray in Christ's name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.